Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast, and especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed, the ones about the Cyrus Lost Tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you. Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. We're here in our penultimate episode, which means that after this one, there's only one more left before the end of this season. Ahem. Oh, hey, Bewop. What's up? What is this break you're talking about in new season? Oh, just that after this one, there's only one more episode. And then we're going to take a little bit of a break so we can enjoy the holidays, maybe work on the next season. You can't do that. Why not? Because what am I going to do in the meantime? Well, I don't know. You can take up a hobby like, I don't know, crocheting or tennis. Or you know what? It'll be winter. So you can help me shovel. Shoveling, Jonathan, with these beautiful, delicate hands. Well, you're going to have to do something, Bebop. And what am I supposed to eat if we're not doing shows anymore and we're not getting any more art from listeners? Oh, I can draw you something. Ew. Your drawings taste terrible. Like someone dropped old cereal on the floor. (laughs) That's not very nice, Bebop. And look, I'm sure some listeners will send you art over the break. You know, you can't just fire me. Aw, Bebop, is that what you think? No. No one's firing you. It's just that I need a little time to prepare for the second season. And so what are the listeners going to do while you're doing that? I'm sure our listeners have plenty of other things they could... Because if they need something to do, I could think of something. Oh, no. Some stories that they'd really love to hear? Oh, no. No, no, no. From a true writer, a robotic raconteur. Here it comes. Bebop tales, bebop tales, inventing laser shoes and monorails, bebop tales, bebop... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, did you just say you invented laser shoes and monorails? Yeah, of course. Did you not know that about me? What is a laser shoe? Actually, you know what? Don't answer that. Let me think about this whole bebop tales thing. But in the meantime, we have another episode to do right now. And if you remember... The explorers were in dire straits in the last episode. Most of the adults had flown off the Marlow looking for bunts, but Troop 301 had discovered that he was probably on the planet right below them. So they tricked the other adults on the Marlow and made a run for it to chase down bunts, but security caught them, and Foggy had to stay behind with Voltronic Zoo while the rest of them blasted off to go get bunts. It's dark days and difficult times for our explorers troop in episode 14. The Fallen City. Uh, guys, said Elias. He was walking ahead of the rest, the troops slowly and carefully making their way out of the pod, the dust of the red planet instantly coating their suits. Finn was the last in line. He was worried about Foggy back on the Marlow, what security might do to him since they broke the rules. And without Foggy, what were they? It was getting a robot that allowed them to start exploring. If it weren't for Foggy, they weren't even a troop. Elias crouched down, trying to see through the winds and the swirling sands. What is it, Elias? asked Abigail, trying to wipe her helmet's visor quickly to get a better view. I think those are... He held a hand up. I actually can't tell, but... I think it's... Oh, no. It is. 
It's bugs! The troop didn't have time to turn around and dive back into the pod. Before they could do anything, an insect swarm was upon them, buzzing around and above and through their legs and around the pod. The bugs looked like giant moths, with wings beating so fast the explorers could hardly see them. Abigail lifted her head and saw an enormous moth, about the size of an eagle, hovering in front of her face. So, more of you are here to attack us, it said. Well, we'll attack you. Attack! The moths all lifted off the explorers and turned their pointed noses at the kids. What? No, no, we don't want to attack anyone, said Abigail. You're attacking us. No, you're attacking us. Attack! No, I swear, we're... Attack! Moths began ricocheting off the explorers' helmets. No, wait, we're not attacking, said Abigail. Everybody, put your hands up. All of the explorers raised their hands like they'd been caught robbing a bank. What kind of attack move is that? said the queen moth. It's not, yelled Abigail. Please, we come in peace. The bugs all started to slowly lift off of the explorers. Why would you come here in peace? There is no peace here. Not since the ones who look just like you drove us from our home. And where was that? asked Abigail. A long way from here, even for us to fly. Our nests were built over the centuries to protect our eggs and young ones from the winds, and then... Excuse me, said Elias, having a bit of a (coughs) cough attack. Attack? No, 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 he's just coughing. Cough attack! No, said Abigail, he just has an itchy throat. Stop it, yelled Finn. No one is attacking anyone. Not yet, anyway. Not yet? Aha, so you do plan to attack us. No, not you, said Finn. We're here for the ones who drove you out. They attacked our home, too. Oh, well... Okay, but maybe attack? No attack, please, said Finn. But could you please tell us where we could find those people? The queen moth pointed to a ridge and said that it ran down into a valley between two high snow-covered hills. After they passed through the valley, they would come to the fallen city of Atenua, abandoned now thanks to Bunce. When you hit the valley, you'll be out of the sands. Make it through the fallen city of Atenua and on to the city's farthest edge, and you will see our nests. You can't miss them. But it's going to be a tough road ahead. Thank you, said Abigail. I'll thank you when you get rid of those terrible creatures. And I'll say this. If the time comes and you need our help, you may call upon us. And how do we do that, said Valle? Mm, just, you know, yell attack, I guess. It turned out the moths were only the first of the Red Planet's strange creatures that the troop had to confront on their way to meet Bunce, Bogus, and Bean. Along the cliff, featherless birds huddled in leafless trees, glaring at the explorers as they walked quietly below. And as they descended off the ridge and into the valley, tiny mole-like creatures poked their heads out of holes in the rock face, nipping at the explorers and throwing tiny rocks at them as they passed. When they finally made it deep into the valley, they were exhausted from battling the winds from dodging the rocks, from the constant worry about what they'd face at their next turn. But the rest of their journey into the valley was uneventful. And when they got there, it was quiet. They felt safe. They walked through the tall, verdant grass, and they sat where some trees had fallen, making a small shelter. Not to, you know, jinx us or anything, said Vale. Don't finish that sentence, said Elias. Nothing good could possibly come of finishing that sentence. I'm just saying, said Vale. 
not to jinx us or anything, but don't you think it's a little strange that Bunce, Boggus, and Bean took over this whole world, drove out those attack moths, and who knows what else, built or made whatever those giant monsters are, and somehow we're fine in this valley where it's totally peaceful? Wow, said Abigail. That was like the motherlode of all jinxes. Yeah, said Elias. It doesn't get much jinxier than that. Why don't you just say something like, oh, I'm so glad we're all going to be together forever. And just like that, Elias was gone. Elias! The troop all jumped up. Vale drew his bow and arrow. Abigail picked up a stone and Finn a long stick. Elias! What was that? The troop circled together back to back. Elias! yelled Abigail. Where are you? And why do the aliens always grab you first? He's with us said a voice, sounding like it was right in Finn's ear and in Abigail's ear and in Vale's ear, all at the same time. Who are you? said Vale, swinging his bow around. Foolish creature. You can't use that primitive weapon on me. Something fizzed into view for a second, a sort of large, blue, glowing ball, throwing sparks as it appeared a few feet from them. I don't live in your world. It disappeared. The silence of the valley didn't feel peaceful anymore. The troop stood perfectly still. What do you want? yelled Abigail. We want you all to be gone, said the voice again, again sounding like it was inside the explorer's heads. When you have left this planet, we will return your friend to you. Elias flickered into view for a moment, standing just a few feet from them. They could see him, but they could also see through him, like a reflection in a window. Guys, I can see you, yelled Elias. Get me out of here. Don't move, said Finn. Floating behind Elias was the blue ball, its edges blurry, sparks flying across it. We have your friend here in the attenuation. You will never see him again if you don't do as we say and leave. Actually, you know, I see him right now, said Vale. He's right in front of you, dude. Impossible. In the attenuation realm, he is undetectable to all but those of us who live on the edge. No, he's right there, said Vale. He looks kind of weird, but... Silence! Elias faded further, and his image began to wobble, like he was a reflection on the surface of the water. Please don't make it angry, said Elias. Your friends may have weakened our powers, drove us from our home, but that doesn't mean we should be ignored. Angry, you say? Would you like to see angry? Elias and the ball of lightning were gone. Elias! 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 But there was no response. Elias and whatever that was that had attacked him were gone, for good this time. The troops stood together for a long time, shouting Elias' name, begging him to come back. But it was no use. Maybe we should turn around, said Finn. Get back to the ship and, I don't know, radio back to the Marlowe. Maybe this was all a bad idea. We can't do that, said Abigail. We can't just leave Elias. He may even be here right now in this valley, hearing us. Hey. Actually, if you can hear us, Elias, said Vale, if you don't come back to the Marlow with us right now, I'm taking all of your video games. This isn't funny, Vale, said Finn. What are we even doing here? We lost Foggy on the Marlow, we lost Elias on the planet, and who knows, we might have even lost our parents flying off in the wrong direction after Bunce. Finn, said Abigail, remember when we were on the Patience planet and the dwellers grabbed Elias? You didn't give up. We all sat around not knowing what to do, and you went and stomped on the ground, got us all down there to save Elias. Yeah, but what do we do now? We can't exactly stomp our way into some other dimension or wherever Elias is. 
I know, said Abigail, but think about it for a second. Every creature we've run into has instantly viewed us as an enemy. The moths, those creepy birds that glared at us, those moles in the cliff, and now that blue thing, whatever it was, talking about being driven from its home? Yeah, said Finn, and that doesn't exactly make me want to stay. That blue thing said it wanted us and our friends to all leave the planet. Everyone here thinks we're friends with Bunts because we're human and we're wearing Marlowe spacesuits. But if we can get rid of Bunts, Bogus, and Bean, then maybe we can show the life on this planet that we're not like those guys and we can get Elias back. Finn was full of doubt. There was something itching at his detective's brain, some missing piece of the puzzle that he couldn't quite put together. But he also trusted Abigail and was thankful that she was there to think so clearly and bravely as they arrived in the fallen city of Atenua. The city looked like an abandoned power plant. Thin metal structures reached high into the sky, thick coiled tubes wrapped around poles. Giant spools of what looked like wire lay strewn around the town. Most of the towers and the buildings and the structures were wrecked, toppled, or beaten down. I thought fallen cities were supposed to be like ruins and old crumbling buildings, said Vale. Shh, said Abigail. Walking out from behind one of those large spools was a wild thing. But it wasn't one of the monsters that they had seen before. They watched as another, and another, and another, all manner of giant beasts came out of or went into the tall metal towers. Finn, Vale, and Abigail ducked behind a large metal box, just on the edge of the city. There are so many of them, said Abigail. We'd be overwhelmed in a second. Abigail turned to Finn, waiting for a plan. Don't look at me, he said. I was the one who wanted to return to the pod. You know, we could have even radioed up for backup at least. Okay, fine. Look, this whole city is like a maze, right? I mean, there are all these towers and boxes and spools. And so you can't just run straight down one path from one side to another. If we can move quickly from one point to another and we take cover at every turn, we might be able to get through without any of them seeing us. Abigail smiled. Lead the way. Finn stuck his head out from behind the metal box. About 20 feet ahead, there was something that looked like a large battery. He waited until a monster with three horns and big yellow eyes turned a corner and he whispered, Go! And he ran to the battery, sitting down on the ground, pressing his back against it. Vale and Abigail right beside him. Okay, he said. And he watched as a monster with tiny wings and thick, dark, spiky hair opened a door to one of the towers. As soon as the monster was out of sight, he hissed, Go! And they made it to the rear of that tower. And he did it again. Go! 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 Next up was a large metal coil near the final gate. There were no creatures in sight. Go! And he ran straight into a smaller white monster with ram-like horns and a short, pointy beard. Where are you going? I'll eat you up, I love you so. Run! yelled Finn. Abigail and Violet were already running in the other direction, toward two prongs that extended high into the air. But there were monsters over there, too, and the three had to turn to the left, sprinting to get past all the oddly shaped buildings. But wild things kept coming and coming out of nowhere, and soon they were running from one monster and into another. It's no use, said Finn. Vale took out his bow and fired arrows at the beasts, who let them sink into their fur without slowing down. They circled the troop and began closing in. <laughs> Suddenly, Elias appeared bright and glowing. He stuck out a hand and a lightning bolt shot from it, sending two wild things flying backwards. Hey guys, said Elias. 
and he disappeared. He appeared again behind his friends. How's it going? And he stuck out both hands, lightning firing from his fingertips, knocking out four more monsters. He disappeared. He appeared again behind a group of five monsters. Look what I can do now. The monsters flew through the air, soaring over Finn, Abigail, and Vale. Elias, said Finn. What is going on? But Elias began disappearing and reappearing all around the maze of attention. Just saving all of you guys like always. By the time Elias was done teleporting and shocking all of the wild things, they were either lying unconscious or running away, smoking into the wilderness outside of Atenua. Elias, glowing, sparking, and looking like a bona fide superhero, walked up to the explorers. Please, please, he said, control yourselves. For your own safety, do not try to hug me. Elias explained that when that electric blue ball alien had attacked him, he'd been brought into another dimension, a parallel one, where everything was made of electricity. The ball had told Elias that its people had once lived in the city of Atenua, but after Bunce had moved onto the planet, the wild things had come and begun smashing the towers where the ball lightning aliens lived. Why didn't they just zap them like you did, said Abigail. They can't really do that, said Elias. They can attenuate creatures in our dimension, weaken their bond with the dimension, and bring them into theirs. But that's it. And it turns out wild things are no fun in any dimension. The only way these guys can exist in our dimension really is as pure electricity running through the cables and transistors of this city. But the wild things and bunts destroyed all that. So how did you get to become this lightning guy? Said Vale, looking a little jealous. After Linda zapped me that last time, said Elias, I told her we were only here to stop Bunce. Wait, Linda, said Abigail. Yeah, the blue ball you all saw? Her name is Linda. She's super nice. Anyway, she saw that we were actually on the same side, so we hatched the plan. She'd make me the vessel for her energy, and I would get to be a totally cool lightning guy who appears and disappears and shoots lightning bolts from my fingers. But, as we made clear, you can't take that with you out of the city. I know, I know, said Elias. The glowing light around him began to dim. Guys, Linda, Linda, guys. Pleased to meet you. Yeah, we actually already met, said Vale, when you stole our friend, remember? Vale, it's not like that, said Elias. It's okay, I'm sorry for what I did, but now you have returned our city to us. Balls of lightning began appearing all around the explorers. Different shades of blue, deep greens, volcanic reds, every color you could imagine. Thank you so much, small ones. You will always be welcome here in Atenua. The balls of lightning each shot into the various towers, coils, spools, boxes, and all of the structures of Atenua. The troops stood back and watched as the sky lit up with electricity of every color. It was like the best fireworks in the universe. Elias now returned to normal, waved at the brilliant lights above them, and the troop made their way to the gates. Impressive, young ones. I wouldn't have bet money you could make it past the cliff moles. Never mind my beasts in the fallen city of Atenua. Bunce! cried Finn. There's nothing we've faced yet that stopped us. So now, we are going to stop you. Isn't that cute? But... Before you come running in like some brave knight, why don't you ask yourself, how am I on your communication frequency? What? said Vale. Who cares? But Finn knew. He knew right away. Finn cares, don't you, Finn? 
Put her on, said Finn. Gladly. Finn, I don't know how you got down here, but don't do anything rash. We're all fine. It was Finn's mother. Somehow, they'd been captured by Bunce, so there was no turning back now. No going back to radio for backup. They were the backup. The four friends stepped through the Atenua city gates and saw up on a steep hill in front of them the nests of the moths. There were towering, giant cones rounded at the top with dozens and dozens of cavern entrances all around, perfect for hundreds of worker moths to fly in and out of and for a dastardly villain like Bunce to hide within. Finn looked over at his friends, who both nodded. We're coming to get you, Mom. And Bunce? I hope you have something stronger than a couple of beasts to get in our way. The troop marched toward the nests, Elias, Vali, Abigail, and Finn, walking up the steep climb side by side, unafraid now, knowing what they had to do. They got to within 30 feet of the nearest cave entrance when they saw something shuffling out of it. It was big, dark, and trailing wisps of green smoke. Its scales glinted as it lurched toward the explorers. You wanted to know if I had something stronger? said Bunce. Oh, I do. I do, I do, I do. Okay, I'm here with my editor, young, wise Griffin Messenger. Griffin, you want to say hello to everybody? Almost the end of the season. You're happy that it's almost the end of the season? Uh, yeah. Why? Because I get to find out where Bogus or Bean is. Oh yeah, you have some questions from this episode. So what's your what's your main question here? Um, no, I just want to tell the listener something. Oh, okay. Well, what's that? Um, if you want, if you subscribe to Fancast Week, you can also subscribe to a little sound group or with sounds from Finn Caspian and I'll be like starting that soon like next season okay so this is new to me so what is it it's like it's a sound sound club yeah and you can find out what um some of the sounds in Finn Caspian are like so okay well that's very generous of you pal I didn't know you were gonna do that oh so could people who sign up for your sound club actually make sounds and send them to us for use in the show yes Oh, this is a cool idea. All right, I'm I'm into that. Also, you can get a little like stick. You get a sticker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is the sticker gonna be? It's it has a little picture of saying Cosmonaut on the Marlow. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, you just signed us up for a giveaway here that I didn't know was gonna happen. <laughs> so now, all right. So here, so this is this is Griffin's Sound Club, and this is what. I think it's going to be is that people can make a sound, send it to us, and then we'll use it in a show. And then if you do that, we'll send you a sticker that says Cosmonaut from the Marlow. Yeah. Cosmonaut from the Marlow or Explorers Route 301. Okay. Cool. This is, uh, you, you've surprised me with this on the recording, but that's a sound right there. Hold on. Here's the sound. High five. All right, so uh, now that we've had that special announcement about the club, let's uh, let's get into the art. Art of the week. <laughs> All right, so we have some really cool art, and then we'll do some jokes. Okay, Alaska from Australia drew this amazing picture of the entire Explorers Troop, including Foggy and Voltronic Zoo. And she drew a picture of the space station and the moon and a little flag that says M2IXS, which means Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station. They plant on planets when they go there. How cool is that? 
So that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much to Alaska for that. I really love that drawing. And we also have some really cool art from Nina. And Nina is from San Carlos, California. And she actually did something a little different, which is cool. And that is to draw us a cat. That's a really cool cat. This is so good that it looks a lot like a professional drawing. Like, very well done to Nina. Love it. Also have art from a brother team uh, named Corbin, who's 11, and Trip, who's 9. They're both from North Carolina. And Corbin drew a really cool rendition of the Bob, where one of them is saying, let me think for a second, and the other one's saying, ah! And that one's really cool, so thank you for that, Corbin. And the other drawing that Corbin did was this really great drawing of the Dweller, who's this kind of rock creature, and he's saying, grrrr. So that is also really cool. And then his brother, Trip, drew us three different drawings, one of the Bob 242B and Bob 242A, one also of a Dweller that looks like it's getting, it's kind of flying off after a, after a baby bomb explosion. <laughs> And then we have a picture of the Bob Blob and Finn. So thank you so much to Corbin, Trip, Alaska, and Nina for all of your art. This is so great. I'm hesitant to give it to Bebop, but I know he'll be mad if I don't. I think I can hear his little robot stomach grumbling right now. <laughs> all right. That's great. And now let's hear some jokes, shall we? We have two jokes. I mentioned this last week. Uh, Sam from Dayton, Ohio sent us two jokes, and I'm going to play them both for you. Right now. Jokes of the week. Jokes of the week. Hi, I'm Sam from Dayton, Ohio. Where do astronauts hang out after work? At the space bar. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then this one is uh, also a great one. Hi, I'm Sam from Dayton, Ohio. What do you call money from space? Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much to Sam for both of those jokes. And that is it for today. And we got a surprise announcement of Griffin's Sound Club. Yep. Now we're starting at next season. Well, so this is what you should do is you should email earth at fincasting.com subject line Griffin's Sound Club and send a a sound that you want to include. And that will actually help us because we're going to be writing the story for the next season during this break. And then if we start getting sounds in, then we can kind of incorporate the stories around those sounds and use some of those sounds. All right, Griff, that's it for today. You want to say goodbye? Bye, bye, bye. All right, thanks, buddy. See you next week. See you next week. Woo, boo, boo, boo. That's one of the sounds from the Sound Club. Once again, thank you all so much for listening and sending in everything you've been sending in, especially your bebop food and your jokes. And a special shout-out to Amelia from Massachusetts, who sent us a picture of herself dressed as Foggy for Halloween. Just the best. If you want to see that photo, you can check us out on Twitter at FinCaspian or on Instagram at FinCaspian. Also, a shout-out to Sam from Dayton, Ohio for the jokes, and to Alaska from Australia, Nina from California, and Corbin and Tripp from North Carolina for their bebop food this week. Remember, you can send jokes, art, questions, anything you like, and apparently sign up for Griffin's Sound Club, which we're really excited about here, by emailing earth at fincasting.com. And with the final episode of Season 1 approaching, it's now more important than ever to subscribe to the show in whatever app you use. The Alien Adventures of Fincasting is a type drawer media production written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg. 
recently voted the nicest human on the surface of the earth. For more information about the music, the art, everything about the show, check out the show notes. Thanks again for your jokes, your art, your ideas, your bebop questions, your bebop food, everything you've been sending in. We really, really appreciate it. Keep them coming, and we'll see you next week. Hi, it's me, Jess. This is a message for all the Six Minutes podcast fans out there. Have you heard? There are new episodes in the Six Minutes feed called the Ivan Dispatch. I won't go into details, but Ivan found something. A box containing audio cassettes recorded decades ago. And it looks like they were recorded by Cyrus. If you're a fan and you're not following the show, you may have missed out. Search for Six Minutes and click the follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't heard Six Minutes yet, what are you waiting for? Search for Six Minutes, start a season one, episode one, and enjoy the most downloaded family audio drama in history.